Greetings, beautiful humans who love children on the planet Earth. Welcome back, or welcome for the first time to Playtime. My name is Andrew Barnett, and I am a play therapist who lives and works in beautiful Asheville, North Carolina, and this is a podcast dedicated to children and play therapy coming at both of those things from a child-centered perspective. And playtime is two years old, which feels so strange to have been doing this for two years, and it's been a fun journey to take with you all, even though I have not met most of you. And to start this episode, let's tear open the playtime mailbag. I've gotten some questions regarding what to do with children at school, children at school who are having a hard time or are being disruptive in the classroom and what are some, you know, strategies or things we can do as people in those situations to help out those little ones. And I gotta just admit on the front end that I, as a person, really struggled with the environment of school. I worked as an assistant teacher for a while. I was an after-school teacher for a while. I started off as a therapist um, working in different schools, not as a school counselor, but uh, through an agency and would see children in the school environment and go to school meetings and blah, blah, blah. And I don't work in those environments anymore because it was difficult for me to work in those environments and to do what I wanted to do and the way I wanted to do it with children to add some benefit to their lives. I found that as a teacher, I wasn't quite able to do that. And I struggled doing it as well, being a therapist in a school. I don't know if any of you are child-centered therapists and work in school environments, but if you do that, you'll come to find that the principles of being child-centered, the sort of allowing children to move through their experience experience the way that they're moving through it to find it still needs to be inside of boundaries. There are limits, but those boundaries and limits are often much wider than they are in the classroom environment for good reason, right? I mean, if you ever do group therapy, you'll find that having a group of children requires you to be a little bit more intentional about limit setting and perhaps having more limits than you did when you just had one individual child. At least that's that's been my case in running a group. And with a class, it's even different than that because there's an agenda and a schedule and something to be worked on and there are tasks that need to be completed in a certain amount of time like there's so many more things to do and more stressors in that school environment or in that classroom environment rather but to be perfectly candid I would often get in trouble at schools people would report to the administration the principals whoever regarding sort of maybe something they had seen a kid do or a thing they had heard a kid say when they were in my care and I would sometimes feel judged. I think that came from a place, though, of me not understanding that they didn't understand what I was doing. By the latter point of my working in the school, I got up in front of the teachers and let them know, like, hey, this is what my time looks like, and they get to choose what they talk about or what they do during that time. And so, like, giving them things to bring into therapy or asking me to bring something into therapy is something that I can't can't promise will happen. 
or likely won't happen, but I love hearing updates about kids. I love giving suggestions about kids. I love sort of talking about them and helping you work through what your struggles are with them. Like that's something that I can do. And all of that is done in the name of creating a free and protected space for children. Children often lack access to a free and protected space in their lives. I'm currently reading this book by Dora Kalf. It's called Sand Play, I think a psychotherapeutic approach to the psyche or something like that. And Sand Play, for those of you who are not familiar with it, is essentially allowing the child to create a scene, generally like a, like a static scene, like if you took a picture of a scene in a sand tray with a selection of figures that, you know, encompass a large part of the human experience. And they get to do that more or less silently with the therapist watching. And then at the end, the person who created the tray may make a, a narrative about the tray. But it's all done on this like symbolic witnessing, holding the process allowing the unconscious to unfurl into this container kind of level without any attempts to then drag what's gotten out of that into the conscious level into like oh and this is this is how it applies to your life in x way or y way like in sand play it's truly just seen as the entire process in itself it's this it's this beautiful flower that emerges in this process of someone creating multiple sand trays so it's really it's really beautiful to read about the work i don't feel well versed enough in it to call myself a sample therapist although i i play with it sometimes when it when it speaks to me to do so but all of that to say is that a, a phrase that she uses often in the book is that she's creating a free and protected space that that's her goal with what she does and she really means that So she talks about her, like, the space that she uses, and it's essentially a castle. She she lives inside of a castle, and she often speaks about seeing the clients every day, seeing the clients for multiple hours every day. Like, this woman is outside of the box in a way that I admire in many ways. She describes having clients live with her. She describes going down to the basement and breaking things. She describes gardening with them. She describes them like finding something that's broken and wanting to repair it and just exploring all the nooks and crannies of this castle and it's interspersed with these trays which they'll make at sort of whatever kind of frequency they feel drawn to the tray combined with when it comes up for Dora to use the tray like sometimes she'll just kind of slide it in when she's like ah, I'm like I think this would be a good moment for it and the process that unfurls inside of these children is beautiful And we don't all have a magical therapy castle. Now, I mean, if you are an individual in this world who has tons of money and just doesn't know what to do with it, and it's like, oh, should I donate it somewhere? But I kind of want to do something fun and whimsical with it. And you just made millions, hundreds of millions on GameStop or something, then perhaps, you know, if you if you buy a therapy castle in the Asheville area, I will be happy to fill it up with the most lovely people I know who also do therapy and will do some beautiful work. In the meantime, many of us have to make use of whatever we call an office, which is hopefully a warm and inviting space. When I used to work in the schools, it was just literally whatever space was available, sometimes just like a large closet to do therapy in. But 
on some level, and this is probably true of any kind of therapy, it doesn't matter what the space looks like, right? Like it can be virtual, it could be virtual, or it could be inside of a closet at a school, or it could be inside of whatever office you are in, wherever you are. The healing comes from the creation of the free and protected space. The work can deepen depending on what else we bring to that free and protected space, which is mostly ourselves and our ability to keep it free and to keep it protected. But Dora makes clear in her book, and I think she's right, that the prerequisite for any kind of healing is having a free and protected space. And when I when I was a therapist in the schools, I feel like that was the best thing that I could provide the children that I saw to make them feel more whole, to make them feel like they can bring everything to this environment. And children are able to compartmentalize. A child could be very wild or all over the map in a session and then come out of that session and reintegrate into the, their class and the, the norms of their class and what's happening in their class. And I can think of so many lovely school counselors that I've had the privilege of knowing who really do make a space inside of their counseling rooms or just a space inside of their relationship with the students that they see where that child does feel free to express all of the different aspects of themselves in a wide variety of different ways to that individual and have that individual receive it for a child to tell that counselor whatever it is that they're feeling, or to act out how they're feeling, or to name that they're having a hard day, or just to come up to them, and they might not even know why they're coming up to the school counselor, but they just really like this person, and it's nice to say hi to them every day. And that kind of free and protected space in relationship, when we combine that relationship with a location, I think we can harness its healing potential even more. But when that space is made in relationship, it can really help a child with their day. And I I always feel this pressure, and maybe this is just me, but I imagine a lot of other therapists can relate to this. When I think about the school environment, and I think about what I'm being asked for, it might be like in a question of, say, how can we help this particular child struggle less? I can feel this pressure to want to provide something simple and direct and tangible, some kind of system to set up, some kind of reward system, or just make a little quiet corner over here and they know that they can go to it, or you know, structuring their day in such a way as to, as to try to avoid times of day when maybe they're having a rough time or something. And it's not that those things aren't maybe worth giving attention to, but even like the, the quiet, corner space or the like you're having feelings you can move over here space a wonderful thing to have right it's great for for a kid and children can just get so in their feelings sometimes for them to be able to know that there's a space in this room where i can just be in my feelings and it's cool that I think kids can get used to that space and develop some relationship to that space and develop some relationship to the self-awareness of like, okay, this is the time when I'm feeling enough that I might go over to that quiet corner space for a little bit. But in my experience, children don't often just want to go over someplace to be by themselves. Sometimes they do. 
Sometimes they do. And sometimes they could be upset and want to connect with an adult. And sometimes I've seen classrooms in the quiet corner just kind of to those who's, who it's recommended that maybe they could spend some time there when they get escalated. They don't really go there and, and use it all that much. And then children can also be blamed for not making use of the quiet corner as much as they should be. And I, I think some of that can be ameliorated just a little bit by on the front end saying, hey, this is the quiet corner or this is the feelings corner. I don't know why I keep saying quiet corner. This is the feelings corner. It's a place where you can go if you are having big feelings you have anger or sadness or frustrated with something and and you just you need a little bit of space when i see you go over there i know as your teacher that you're upset i know that there's something that happened and you're having some big feelings and i i might not be able to go over right away I might have to finish what I'm doing, or I might have to finish the next thing that I know I have to do. But one of the first things I do is I'm going to go over there and and say, hey, is there anything you want to talk to me about? Is there anything you want to tell me? And in that way, the child knows it's like, okay, if I can make use of this space, not only to take space for myself, and that can often be a difficult thing for children of some ages to be aware of, but I also know that this communicates to the teacher that I'm having a problem with something and I also have communicated to them that I would maybe like to talk to them and I know that they're going to come over here and they notice that I'm having feelings. It's like making a quiet, quiet, (laughs) I'm going to stop saying that. Making a feelings corner in itself doesn't really do much of anything. Making a feelings corner in relationship adding it to the relationship, building the relationship around it, using it as a contact point to be more in relationship with that child gives it a better chance of making a difference. And it's a significant step towards creating a free and protected space. Then there's actually a location built into the classroom where the child knows that I can feel whatever I want in this space and those feelings will be heard. And I think that does make a big difference in a child's world. And I've gone this far already on the podcast, which I originally intended to be about what it means to have a free and protected space. And I've spent most of the time talking about school and how to make it helpful and and practical for helping children in school. But let's talk about what it means or what I imagine that it means. I imagine that a space is free if a person has the freedom to exist, to just be, and to express doesn't mean there aren't limits inside of the space and boundaries inside of the space, but inside of those limits, there's freedom, and those limits are wide enough to facilitate a wide range of expression and a wide range of being. By protected, that word, I think, applies to a wider range of things when we're talking about creating that space for a child. It means being protected from expectations for how they should be behaving or what they should be feeling or what they should be doing. They're protected from judgment. And as a child therapist, that that can be a tough thing. If you've got, or a teacher, that can be a tough thing. You've got expectations from other people, goals set by other adults in the child's world about that child's behavior or ways that you, ways that the, the people in the child's world may want that child to move and to expand and to open up. And you know all of those things. As a therapist, as a teacher, you then you have you have your own expectations of you have your own hopes for the child's work in itself, that this is something that will that will benefit them, that will educate 
educate them about themselves or about the world, or they'll develop relationship to themselves and the world, that they will continue to blossom and be curious about the world. That's the goal of your relationship. And so if a child is expressing a certain kind of thing in a session or in a certain kind of way, if they seem disorganized or if they seem aggressive or if they seem whatever, non-compliant. Well, it could be easy to judge them or judge the work. It could be easy to say that things aren't going well. It could be easy to say that things should be going a different way. But we protect them from all of that inside of the space, this free and protected space. And we allow them the freedom to move with whatever's coming up. And we respect whatever's coming up. And we honor what's coming up. And we hold it as an important and inevitable part of their journey as a person inside of this free and protected space where there are no other expectations on them at all. Because I think for, I think for some children, especially who aren't doing well in school, school can feel like this this weight on their shoulders at all times that they 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 just feel like they're a bad student. And you know, like if you've ever been a if you ever felt like you were a bad student, or if you ever had a job and you thought you were bad at your job, your day at that job is really really long. You're constantly afraid of judgment from other people. If you're carrying that around, it's just like, man, I'm really bad at this. Or everyone here thinks that I'm really bad at this. At least you can be a little touchy and defensive have some resentment built up about the situation. Many kids find themselves in that situation. And in any way that any of us are able to provide it, whether that's in a tangible space like you're a therapist, whether you're a teacher creating a little corner of your room, whether you're just someone in a child's life who has consistent interaction with that child. When a child enters into that free and protected space, They are liberated from those burdens. They're able to unload those burdens. They're able to be understood. And the burden can feel lighter day to day. They can be less reactive day to day. It can be maybe a little bit easier than for some of the adults in a child's world to build relationship with them and to create more and more of that space in relationships. And maybe there's a physical space. And now school might not feel like such a burden anymore. It might still at some moments, they might not still be getting good grades or whatever other nonsense we do to children in first, second, third, whatever grade. But school can be something else too, and school can be more of a place where they can bring their whole selves to at least some of the time and experience acceptance and witnessing and protection and freedom to have that come out, however it comes out. And those are all the words that are going to come out of my mouth on this episode of Playtime. Thank you for uh, any patience you've had if you were looking forward to an episode. And it had been a little bit since I put one out. Check out my Patreon if you want to support the show, though it's offered for free. And in the spirit of the gift, like all podcasts, you could also go to barnettchildtherapy.com where you will find some or all of the titles in the Child-Centered Children's Book series. And yep, I will catch you all next time and send me more questions if you want, because it's fun to answer questions and that gave me some extra oomph. So uh, thank you for the recent school questions and uh, yeah, I'll catch you all next time. Thank you.